0: As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers
1: more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com
2: Slippers when I got out
0: of bed. You've got some very sensible shoes on though. I'm pleased got my see. trainers on, yeah. We have, yeah. Well, I mean have you have you seen the weather? It's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> so <laughs> both um I think two two out of four members of our production team today were basically looking at boots in order to cheer ourselves up. Yes. Not not the chemist one, don't yeah. go there again, but the actual Well
2: you can go I mean you're not saying boot-age. don't go to boots.
0: No. I was at the there yeah. this morning actually. Yeah. At the crack of mm.
2: What time does your local open? 8.30. 8.30, yes. It slightly takes me by surprise because I sometimes think they'll
0: be open at 8. And they are
2: if they're near some tube stations.
1: Mm.
0: But not always. It's amazing sometimes uh, the topics that we can get onto, But let's move away from the opening times of well-known chemists uh, because we've got some cracking correspondence, actually. Uh, People do want to carry on just saying a couple of things about uh, the Russell Brand Times, actually. Uh, not specifically to do with the man himself, Mm -hmm. Uh, but this one is from Kind Regards, Keep Me Anonymous. Uh, I'm struggling with the whole brand thing, and I'm wondering whether, as feminists, it's something you could help me work through on your show. Well, we're very happy to do some work-throughs, aren't we? Oh, very much so, yes. I'm pretty much the same age as brand. I was out partying hard in the early noughties, and it was a tough time for women. We had lad mags everywhere you look, middle-aged men leering over Britney Spears in school uniform, and Gail Porter naked on the Houses of Parliament without her consent. I think Brand was behaving as many young men were at that time, albeit with a greater number of women due to being a celebrity. And I would hazard a guess that the majority of women between the ages of, say, 18 and 28 were sexually assaulted in those years. Certainly those of us who were going clubbing, getting drunk and sometimes going home with men we met Probably every woman who took a bus or went to a crowded pub too. And I don't mean to minimise the effect that Brand has had on women who've spoken up, just saying that there's lots of us who feel... There's lots and lots of us who feel that way too. I'm not defending Brand either. It's slightly cathartic to see it being called out after all this time. He does deny all of the allegations against him and it's important that we carry on saying that. But our correspondent ends by saying, uh, I'm saying that we shouldn't be shocked. The lack of respect for women was everywhere and we were all witnesses to men being told they could treat women like this. And women went along with it because that's the message we were getting about our valued too. I hope my thoughts make sense on some level. I would value your thoughts on this too. Well, when was the golden age of respect for women? I don't think there ever was one, Jane. I think that there was just a changing underbelly of accountability because women were able to speak up. I think that is the only difference. Yeah, I think that's right. But I think that our correspondent does make a very good point that has been made by quite a few people uh, this week of a certain age, that what we were sold as empowerment... In the nineteen nineties, has turned out for an awful lot of people to be a very dubious thing. Yeah, if empowerment was about us strutting our stuff and pushing up our bosoms in wonder bras, and wearing you know very little when we went out uh, of an evening and taking control of our sex lives, that to many women ended in trouble and pain and anxiety and worse. But the general feeling was that's what you should be doing if you wanted to be a really kind of age-defining young woman. And I struggle with it myself. I struggle with that version of myself in the 1990s, which is an older woman now. I can see as being incredibly vulnerable, aping male behaviour in a way I didn't really want to do, putting myself in situations. Now I would just be so horrified if either of my children were in those situations. But I felt that's what was expected of me. That was my time, and and I do, I feel uncomfortable with it now. Really, really uncomfortable.
2: I wonder. Oh, so I suppose by the noughties, I've got. I mean, my I had I'd had a child by then, so I just wasn't. I wasn't out there in the way that our correspondent is describing, and I, yeah, I understand what you're saying about your 1990s. I don't know whether I suppose I did. I behave in a way that not that I don't regret anything I did. Did I make myself vulnerable? I suppose I did. But then, how more, how much more vulnerable was I than my mother in the 50s and 60s? I don't. I honestly wouldn't know.
0: Well, I don't know. It, it will always be hard to compare. St- statistics, because whenever you use those statistics, it's only reported crimes. And I think what lots of women are struggling with this week, as our correspondent said, is just, it's it's not always about crimes. It's about what you thought was progress, but actually really turned out not to be. Mm. And I think that is just quite painful to consider. If it was your time to become a young adult woman mm. in the 1990s, I think you were just sold something which you imagined was progress. And it just wasn't. It really, really wasn't. And maybe earlier eras were just a bit more honest, actually. Well, this whole business, I
2: mean, it is true. It's just a fact that bands like Led Zeppelin wrote songs about very young schoolgirls, didn't they? I'm I'm not making this up. This was very much out there and there's, I think there's a survey out today it's on the BBC news website about the amount of, of street harassment that young women are subjected to in 2023 and if you've had a daughter you will note you'll know this the stuff that's shouted from vans and not just vans I don't want to suggest that it's only people men driving vans who shout abuse at young women but it certainly happens and there doesn't seem to be any sign of that changing or getting better at all if anything that's got worse. So, um, oh dear, it's all
0: very gloomy, isn't it? Well, um, it is, but it doesn't, it doesn't stop being gloomy by not talking about it. So. No, but I mean, you know, we're going to get onto the
2: interview with London Hughes in a minute. And of course, London makes the perfectly sound point in the conversation we have with her that it shouldn't be for female comedians to be calling out men. It should be for, I mean it's the age old thing, for men to change their behaviour. Mm. and it's not all it really isn't all men uh but there are too many of them and i wouldn't say they were diminishing in number i think it's probably the opposite it would seem mm. anyway i uh, will get on to london a little bit later but um oh, we don't want to be too down to do we? i mean it's it does feel a bit it does all feel a bit negative i've got myself into a it's like trough of despair. <laughs> but I think it's good I to I was spend... meant to be interviewing a big actress earlier today and she cancelled. Oh, I
0: know. Well, I think we can say, because she's going to come back. Felicity Kendall yeah, disappointed I you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I was looking forward to but it. So, no, she'll
0: be back. She'll be back. Don't Do worry about that. Okay. Don't worry about that. But I think it's really good to spend a bit of time in the trough of despair, actually, Jane, because then... Uh, you know, you don't you don't change things through silence. So if there are lots and lots of women our age who felt uncomfortable with who they were in the 1990s, maybe you've had kids of your own and they're now just about to head out into the adult world and you just have a bit more to say from your experience of that. Um, you know, and, and for me, I'm, I'm just never going to be able to square that circle of female empowerment and very provocative female wear your sex on the outside I I just find that uncomfortable now I think for me empowerment has just been about completely different things Mm. rather than hey look at me in my PVC cat suit I'm over here and that was me in the 1990s but it's not me now, Jane. No, no, That's is. what I'm trying to say. So I'm, I'm very much, you know, I'm grateful to people who've, um, you know, sent some really, really thoughtful emails in. Uh, Beck in particular has said exactly the same thing as our anonymous emailer. So thank you very much indeed. Uh, I found it good to kind of hear those stories. Let's change tack, she said, in a very professional sort of way. Such a sailing metaphor as well. <laughs> (laughs) She is
2: tacking. She's going about, everybody. I've read Swallows and Amazons. Uh, I've read all his books, actually. I love those stories. Anyway, this is from Victoria, who has sent us something uh, that she says was something that passed for humour. So I'll just read you uh, the email. Um, Thank you for this, Victoria. Very interesting to hear Rory Catherine-Jones discussing the working atmosphere for secretaries at the BBC years ago. This is because Rory's memoir, Ruskin Park, um, largely features his mother Sylvia's working life at the BBC in the 40s and beyond. Uh, Victoria says, my father worked for the BBC in transmitter group engineering for the whole of his working life. My mother met him when she worked there as his secretary. They later married and had me. In old documents from those years, I came across this attached extract entitled The Art of Keeping Your Secretary Happy, which is from a BBC transmitter group services newsletter from 1984. I didn't get that one, actually. I was a member of the group, but I didn't get that newsletter. Uh, Victoria says my jaw hit the floor when I read this and I did ponder what passed for humour in the workplace in the 1980s, that somebody thought what's written would be amusing made me feel a little bit ill, it's also nuts to consider the great irony that the person who wrote it, almost definitely a man, would have had their secretary type it up. I've got three adult daughters now, and much as there's still a lot to be done, I'm glad this kind of rubbish would never be tolerated in places of work today. Do you want to just read some of the tips out? <laughs> okay, this this by the way is uh, it, I'm sure Victoria, it was intended as a joke as humor. But it does at least take you into... Start with the other side because that's like leading tips on the other side. Here we go.
0: Always glance at your watch when she arrives in the morning. It'll keep her on her toes. Number two, having her serve your coffee is one of the delightful perks of executive life. Don't disturb the chain of command by occasionally bringing her a cup. (laughs) at number three. should never do that. Tell her all about your plans for a holiday in Saint-Tropez. It's the little personal touches that humanise the boss-secretary relationship. Number four, don't ask her if she's had a nice weekend. She may start to tell you about it and you have a lot of important things to attend to. okay, okay, I've heard enough.
2: Right. Uh, I mean, yes, I'm sure uh, that was meant to be a little joke back in
0: 1984. Where, but, it's, by the way, but it's only funny because it's so true, isn't
2: it? I was already 20. <laughs> well, I wasn't actually working, but I was the age of my youngest daughter now, and that is heartbreaking. Oh, by the way, when Victoria says that she doesn't think um, it would happen in the workplace now, I'm pretty certain that stuff far worse than that does the rounds on various encrypted WhatsApp groups, men only, WhatsApp groups. I dread to think what they're
0: saying. What do you think? I you and I would be horrified at some of the stuff that is yeah. going around on the all male WhatsApp groups mm. in and I don't think I'm not a member of any all female WhatsApp groups you are that no that I haven't finished that sentence oh God I'm not a member of any all women WhatsApp groups that are very crude, no some no. of them are quite gossipy, mm-hmm. but they're not very crude. Nobody's sending around any kind of pictures. No, not those sort of pictures.
2: But I've heard tell that on men's groups they do. One of my friends is a little bit saucy on a WhatsApp group really? I'm in. But I just what's the, of, what's I often the Just thing? don't understand. What, what's the sauciest? Oh, there was thing? a bit of there was this, the usual gags about topiary this week. Somebody needed a bit of garden maintenance. Doing? Yeah, yeah. Could, could anybody? You know, could anybody recommend a gardener? You know the kind of thing.
0: A good wax.
2: Is that what you're talking about? No, I'm genuinely see. This is your mind. Is, this is the woman who has worn a PVC. Catsuit. Well, no, but
0: that's because you said it was saucy. I
2: said it was. Well, it went there because she put on the WhatsApp WhatsApp group. Can anybody recommend a gardener? I've got a, a good gardener. I've got a bush that needs trimming. Okay, yeah. and, and then you know people what made there. lots of uh, yeah. gags off the back of that. Exactly, and it was very tawdry. And I did, I did think, what if the authorities find out about this? <laughs> okay. I'll never ever work again. I didn't even say anything. I was just in the group.
0: Okay. Well, that's dangerous. <laughs> lurking, yeah. is because, it? Because, yeah, legally, if you're oh. part of a WhatsApp group and there's slander or libel or worse going down on it, you are affected, actually. I'm being serious now. I've got oh, really? my serious journalistic voice back on. Mm. Yep. So don't be part of the problem, Jane. Do you know,
2: I'm fe- uh, this is not a comment on his politics, but we have just had to sit in the studio and listen to Rishi Sunak doing his... Uh, watering down the net zero target speech, which, you know, live on Times Radio, this is important stuff. It was an important announcement. But I've got to say that I find his delivery utterly, and it's not even soporific. It's, It's just extraordinarily, it's just bad. And surely he must have help with public speaking. But he's so sort of, softly spoken and it doesn't there's no punch there's no welly
0: but I don't care oh I I genuinely don't care I really do I honestly I found
2: it utterly utterly soporific
0: because you could be a really uh, you know terrific orator and have all of those flourishes in your voice and all that kind of stuff and And I think that that makes it easier for you to sell whatever message it is that you're selling. I would rather somebody was really, really dull in their delivery, so I actually concentrate a bit more on what is being delivered. So you'd buy from Rishi Sunak? No, it's not that I'd buy from Rishi Sunak. It's just sometimes I find that, you know, those people who are just superb at public speaking, can carry a whole room. Boris Johnson! You are energised by the delivery. Mm. And, you know, you can have a really, really amazing pizza Delivery driver gets there at the right amount of time. Pizza's nice and not, and all that kind of stuff. But if the ingredients aren't right in the pizza, what's the point?
2: Remember Boris Johnson's? You're watching that Russ uh, at the Laura Coonsberg uh, State of Play oh, and State of Chaos. State of Chaos. State yeah. of Chaos. Yeah, State of Play was a uh, rather apocalyptic drama series was
0: it was it? one of my favorite political thrillers yeah do you remember it with jason isaacs i do now yeah now you mentioned it yeah. yeah uh he's from the wirral
2: uh or is it liverpool anyway um yes in the most the episode two of state of chaos you get another chance to enjoy then prime minister boris johnson's speech to the cbi
0: oh percy pig pepper pig pepper pig sorry you see, get your pigs
2: right sorry
0: see, this is why you're not in government
2: no but maybe he's you don't a know prime...
0: percy from pepper what hope Maybe he's a prime example of a man who relied on the ability to deliver without actually checking the ingredients. Well, you might. He couldn't even find the menu in that speech, could he? It was so. Watching it again was just a whole. Oh, it's awful, isn't it? Yeah, it is awful that one. Uh, Right, this one comes from Barnes. I don't know whether that's a name or a place, but if it's a name, that's just delightful. Uh, Do you know anyone called Chiswick? Jane's memory of Sing Something Simple, Sing Something Simple, is completely at odds with my own fond memories of listening to it with my mum on Sunday evenings. Probably helped by the fact that I completed all homework by Saturday midday at the latest. I just couldn't bear it hanging over me. Now, I think the world divides into people who finished their homework early in the weekend Mm -hmm. so they could enjoy their leisure time and people who left it until Monday morning Mm. so they could enjoy their leisure time they're just two opposites aren't Mm. they but Barnes goes on to say uh, I agree uh, with Fee's picking up of Jane over her pronunciation of croissant it definitely comes across as croissant another memory of my mum who called them croissants oh yeah but uh, that's absolutely fine (laughs) And somebody actually sent us something that we can go and watch on the YouTube where we can find out exactly how we should be pronouncing croissant. I have been
2: taken to task by Mary, who says, I was appalled uh, at your derisive tone Uh, to the mother whose daughter was leaving home to go to uni. I thought you were too dismissive of her feelings and a bit cavalier. When my daughter left, she took a gap year and went to Africa with Canada World Youth. And I honestly went into a life-threatening depression. You don't know what this mother is going through. She's probably trying to be a good role model to hopefully guide a young girl into womanhood while balancing a job, a home to run and other children in various stages of development. She might also be going through menopause, have parents she's responsible for or a husband is going through a midlife crisis or a change in a job or have no job at all. Uh, As part of your programme, you do discuss the above issues at length and do show compassion alongside your humour. So why the flippancy at a woman who's at the same time of life as at least Jane? Um, No, thank you for that, Mary. And uh, I hope I wasn't too dismissive. I certainly didn't intend to be. I think what I was aiming to do was just tell her that it really wasn't that bad because I know I did feel really maudlin the first time it happened to me. And um, apart from the very practical, uh, she's now back living at home again. um, It it wasn't as bad as I felt in those actually early hours of her departure (laughs) to university. That was a bit grim. But then things did get better very quickly. And actually, I wonder whether this happened to other people. You start to have really good phone conversations with your children when they're away because all of a sudden they're a little bit more perhaps a little bit more grateful for whatever it was you were able to provide and you just start talking a bit more. Because, you know, when teenagers go to their rooms at the age of about 13, you tend not to have incredibly
0: lengthy heart-to-hearts all that often. No, and and, and you don't because you are always thinking they're here and I'll catch them later. Mm. So there is that imperative. But, but I suppose we should be careful as well because uh, it must be... Really awful if you don't end up having great phone conversations with your teen who's left. Well, and there are some, of course, who can't wait to leave you all completely behind. But
2: that's not for any malicious reason. It's because they're having a great time and that's really what you want yeah. as well.
0: But but airing on the side of uh, doom, I would, uh, I would I would, worry so much if the kids didn't keep in touch with me. I wouldn't be thinking they're out partying. I'd be thinking, oh, my God, are they all right? Uh, they got oh. trapped in their room. No. All of that trapped in their room, <laughs> trapped. <laughs> so in our house, we've got a really, really dodgy doorknob on the kitchen, and sometimes one of us does get trapped in, the, in our room, and and we've had to phone each other when we're out and about. <laughs> so can, can you come, come home, home, please? Back I'm stuck in the kitchen
2: I've been in the kitchen since half past five this morning yeah. I to... Oh no, it's it's true uh,
0: Can I just say, uh, we've both got to give a shout out to Laura who is Lorna's friend Laura is Spanish, so her name is pronounced differently but Lorna can't work out how to type it phonetically and Lorna is in Liverpool right. in capital letters Yes. So do you want to say hello to Laura? Hello, hello Laura It could be Laura, couldn't could, it? No, it won't be
2: well not, well, not if she's from Liverpool. Why would it no, be Laura? No, Lorna's
0: from Liverpool. Oh, Lorna. God's sake, OK. This and is... Laura is from Spain. Right, right. And Lorna wrote in because of the croissant thing too. I can't go there anymore. <laughs> just call it whatever, pastry. It's call pastry.
2: Do you know um, that the King and Queen have gone to France for a state visit? I do know. And that um, they've got a range of guests at the state banquet tonight in, at Versailles, which I always think is quite a... I don't know. I mean, it's quite a loaded location, isn't the it? The scene of some crimes. Yeah, uh, and mind guess... you, so's nearly every palace in this country. Yeah, I can't look at the Tower of London, which we can almost see from the window. Cause it's such a it's
0: so frightening. Do you think in a previous life you might have been in there? Um, yes, I do think that. Do you yeah. think you were a raven or a criminal? <laughs> probably
2: a criminal uh, I don't want to be a raven although do you know there was a raven called Garvey at one point I, don't know, I never knew, knew why what do you mean there was a raven called well, cause Garvey well because the, Garvey, the ravens have all got names Okay. and at one point there was one called Garvey right. <laughs> I don't know why I can say uh, well, I anyway, wonder why that stuck in your mind. The, <laughs> uh there was a point to this oh yeah guests include at the state banquet in Versailles tonight a Hugh Grant and Didier Drogba Wow. Wow. Why is Hugh Grant I on the list? I, absolutely no idea. I can understand Didier. Yeah. But Hugh Grant, he's just passing through. Well, perhaps he, I don't know, perhaps he spends time in France, perhaps he's in France making a film, although films aren't really being made at the moment, are they? Perhaps they are in France. Who knows? Anyway, he's there. Interesting.
0: Well, it's good to be across all world news. (laughs) I'd just like to offer a little bit extra. No, you certainly have. (laughs) Shall we talk about London Hughes? Yes. Okay. so London Hughes is our big guest today. Uh, She's quite a force to be reckoned with, isn't she? She's a comedian, writer. Uh, She really, really, really wanted from a very young age to be a huge star, Uh, So she worked her socks off uh, to do that in this country. She applied and became a BBC presenter. She had her own comedy series on Radio 4. Phoebe Waller-Bridge was very kind and gave her a kind of leg up in the industry. It's interesting, isn't it?
2: Um, When you read the book, which is very funny, by the way, um, there are some people who emerge as rather heroic in the sense of their uh, keenness to reach out and help
0: people making their way up, and and she was definitely one of them. But London... uh, won quite a few awards, Funny Woman of the Year, and uh, she was the first black nominee for the Edinburgh Comedy Award. But she really keenly felt that she didn't get the breaks in this country Uh, that she should get on account of being a young black woman. So uh, ultimately she took herself away from Bad Vibes Britain, uh, which is what she calls this country, to go and find fame in America. And it's really paid off for her. So she's been taken under the wing of Kevin Hart. She's good friends with Dave Chappelle. Uh, She's going to all kinds of parties, making all kinds of connections. And she's got a big movie in the offing and loads and loads of offers. I mean, she's really nailed it, actually. She's broken America, Mm -hmm. broken America. And she's written a book which is called Living My Best Life Hun. Uh, We did need to start the interview and we did ask her if it was okay to do this, didn't we? Yes, we did. Uh, If we could ask for her thoughts on Russell Brand because she put out a couple of tweets at the weekend after the Sunday Times, Times and Dispatches investigation into Russell Brand's behaviour that said that she had been warned off him. Uh, by people in the industry. So that is where the interview starts. It's worth noting as well uh, that they also shared an agent for a couple of years.
3: I genuinely support women and I feel like it's so hard when women come forward about anything and it's just so much... I just feel like the first thing we should be doing is listening to these women. So I support these women. And what happened was I just went online and after the documentary came out and the Times piece came out, I just was like, cool, I support these women. I believe them. I went online and I just saw so much hate for these women. And so I just decided to talk about what I knew about about Russell. And that's what those tweets were. And it was just from my knowledge, I wanted to add some colour to the situation. But... All in all, I support these women. I believe the women, and I think we should all be listening to them. Honestly. So, what was your experience? What did you know? I've about never, him, I've back never the met day? the man. I've never met him. But all I, I, like what I said in the tweets. I just said that when I joined the agency, um, that he we had the same agent. I was so excited to have the same agent as him. I was a huge fan of him, and yeah, I was told that I shouldn't <laughs> unsolicited. I was told I shouldn't have sex with him. And stay clear of him because once he has sex with women, he likes to, I guess, pursue them, have sex with them, and then he doesn't want to be around them anymore. They, they make him feel sick, so he would have those women removed from the working around him, the agency people, or or whoever. And you know, my agent warned me to stay clear because she didn't want that happening to me.
0: And, and she- I did.
3: Was it done in quite an official way or a bit of an off the no, way? No, it was, no, official, like, leave that man and, like, steer clear of him. And the thing is, I'm not that... People are, like, I don't know what it is. I don't know why people are, like... Pretend. I don't know if they're pretending to be shocked, but from what I've seen online, there's a lot of "Oh my gosh!" and it's just like, "What are you talking about? You're acting like we didn't all know this about but, this." But man. the thing
2: is, London, that there are people who clearly knew.
3: Yes, I.
2: You know, I'm not in showbiz. I'm in the media. I had heard rumours. Yeah, I had heard rumours. We've all we've all heard rumours, but but most people hadn't.
3: Yeah, and the thing is. I think When You Hide in Plain Sight, which is a, was a great name, because he definitely said, you know, I have a sex addiction. So, you know, I do all these things, I have sex addiction. So where, even when my agent told me about his behaviour, I was like, oh, it must be because of his sex addiction. <laughs> like, that was my 20... I was 22 at the time. I was like, oh. I kind of naively was just like, oh, okay. That's just how he is, because he's a sex addict, I guess. Women make him feel sick. But you
2: weren't, you weren't <laughs> the only one. No. Because we were all fooled by this yeah. man. I mean, lots of people, quite sensible people, educated people, found him funny, gave him
3: work, yeah. worked for him. And the thing is, I was a huge fan of this man. Yeah. This isn't someone that I'm like, oh, yeah, I can't stand him. I was a huge fan of him, but I just knew at 22, don't go to the after parties. Don't hang around him. I knew that. And I I stayed clear of him.
0: And so you say in the book also that you were just a huge fan of what he did on stage, of what his comedy was. Yeah. And do you think, looking back on it, uh, that your comedy was influenced by that kind of incredibly open, sexualized content that now when we watch Russell Brand, we go, oh my gosh. You know, we all... Mm.
3: N- Watch that made I, that made
0: him a star. Did I you feel he was
3: that I didn't, kind of him? I didn't find I didn't like his stand-up material. I liked his performance. I liked how he would like strike around on stage and he'd flounce around. He was really high energy, and so that's what I admired. Like, right? but what he was talking about wasn't my thing. I wasn't really into that, but. I think when a man talks about that on stage, it's very different to when a woman does it. When a woman does it, it's feminist. It's sexy. It's iconic. When a man does it, it's not the same. Well, what is it then? I don't know. Watching that documentary and hearing him talk, I did feel uncomfortable. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's funny. I honestly don't. You don't think it's funny
2: now because we know what we know. And but he, I by the way, I don't think I denies thought, the allegations. Yeah, I
3: don't think I thought it was funny then either. But right. I did I did really like him as a host. I really liked his presenting style. Well, you weren't the only one. He got work. Yeah. So, mm. look, I i don't want to make this a thing about Russell. It's about my book. And this, my book's called Live My Best Life. And I want to, you know, be... Uh, it's so (laughs) the, the timing of all of this is crazy like I literally I came here to England to promote my book and then this stuff came out and you know morally I just couldn't sleep at night knowing that people were saying negative things about this these women and without saying something on Twitter and uh What I've said on Twitter, I've said to people's faces at the time, 10 years ago, I wasn't, when I was warned about this, I wasn't the only one that was warned about him. I have female comedian friends have also been warned about him. I've spoken to female comics about him. This is not a thing of like, oh, nobody knew. Like, we all knew. I've told several people. They've told several people. We knew, we didn't know. I personally didn't know it was as deep as it was. I didn't know it was as bad as it was but I definitely knew for lack of a better word that he was uh, he was dodgy when it comes to women and he he had a I felt that from the rumours I'd heard and what I'd experienced from other people telling me things about him, it didn't seem like he had a huge respect, a lot of respect for women.
0: You're absolutely right that we need to talk about you and we need to talk about the book. Thank Uh, you. One final question on that, not specifically about him though. Have you ever felt as a young woman in the industry that you have been vulnerable in a man's company? Yes. He
3: is not the only comedian (laughs) that you can say these things about. Do you
0: think that there's somebody, other people out there who might have the same level of... Yes. You do?
3: Mm -hmm. Okay in this country or in america no not in america i've never experienced it in america in england yes
0: okay what
3: do we do with those open secrets london but this is the thing it's kind of like not up to us it's up to men to stop doing this to women it's like not uh, we're not the ninja turtles women in england don't need to come together to stop these men all these open it's up to the women to save no men stop being creepy dodgy disrespectful weirdos and treat women with respect we wouldn't have to have open secrets we have whatsapp groups we we warn each other about these men we all tell each other don't do gigs with this guy we there's only so much we the women can do when we're the ones that are being abused by these men this conversation should be for the men what are the male comics going to do about other male comics that are just like russell what what are they going to do about it because it's their problem can I just say, let's give her a round of applause yes. for that, because that's Jesus. we, we really, really agree,
0: and needed to be I'm said. I'm to
3: promote my book, let's yes, get on to your best the book. life, yeah. and, and he's coming and ruining it <laughs> with no, his changers. Can no, we just gone. say, Jesus. all he's
2: right, <laughs> let's acknowledge yes. that you are a changed woman. Mm-hmm. Now, Fee and I have met you before. You say in your book, and I really liked you for this, that your drink of choice was tea with eight sugars. Yeah. Today, we offer you a tea, and you ask
0: for what?
3: <laughs> Herbal tea, no sugar. Exactly.
0: She's left us in so many ways. she's is. is, she? it's
3: gorgeous. It looks, it looks gorgeous. Thanks for my tea. Thank okay. you, ladies. Also, can I say you? I haven't seen you lot in like how many years? Five years? Six years? It's Probably five sad. years. Yeah. Five yeah. years. You look exactly the same, both I'm, of you. I think so, that's so good. good. <laughs> exactly the same. <laughs> Literally, exactly. No, you're right.
0: I'm going to take it in a more positive way. Take it in a positive yeah. way. That's all that you we can Gorgeous. hope for at this age. Is Gorgeous. Just, you know, not to not to d- kind of deviate from the path too much. Yeah. In future. Gorgeous. Uh, your book is really hilarious, London. And what struck me all the way through is just your thirst for fame and success, <laughs> unashamed, unashamed, <laughs> really, really unashamed. So why? What was that inner thing when you were tiny? that made you want to be
3: outside
0: of a normal life,
3: really? I don't know. Do you know what? It was just this innate feeling that I had deep down that, like... You know, some people just know what they were meant to do. Like, there's some people that, from a young age, I love playing the piano. They've always wanted to be a pianist, and they're now a pianist. There's people that just know. I was a kid that just was obsessed with the telly box, that bright thing just flashing in my face. It became my best friend. I was obsessed with everything on it. And, yeah, my mommy, I say in the book, my mum said that when I was five, she found me trying to get on TV by climbing round the back of it. Like, literally... I wanted to be inside that box. And so I tried many ways to get famous. They're all in the book. They're hilarious. And uh, even to the point where I called up, I, I asked my dad, mum and dad to get me an agent and they laughed and I was like, fine, because I'm, I'm like six at the time. Yeah. <laughs> six, seven, and they laughed and I'm like, fine. So I'm figuring out ways to get an agent. And I just knew, I saw an advert for the Yellow Pages and saw that like all the, all the jobs, in <laughs> if you're looking for a job... Find it in the yellow pages. So I looked in the yellow yellow pages for agents. And what I found was estate agents. And I called up estate agents (laughs) asking them, to re- I knew that the word was representation so you have to say I'm looking for representation so I was like hi I want to be Black Britney Spears I'm looking for representation I, can you help me I want to be a British female Will Smith I'm looking for representation can you help me and I'm like, yeah my, my mum's number got banned from Foxton's and Bear and <laughs> all the local I bet not before they tried to sell you a small semi challenge you know house I mean? <inaudible> yeah. Dashing. oh yeah but um, yeah I was can, so
2: hungry for it can we hear about I mean school school just wasn't big enough to contain
3: you was it it was hopeless no no i feel like school thing is i got bullied in school so like that's another thing people just i wanted to talk about bullying in the book because people who have heard me see me about know my stuff the one thing they would say about me is she's loud and she's confident and i think people need to understand that like that loud and confident girl was once you know not, was once like a... I wouldn't, I wouldn't say shy, but I definitely was low, lacking confidence. I, my self-esteem was really low. And, yeah, I just kind of wanted to talk about the bullying in school be, in the book because I just wanted people to realise that, like, even if they're feeling low worth now, it, that's not going to be mm. their future.
0: And there were some really, really mean girls, weren't there? You yeah. say in a passage uh, where you write about a birthday party that you were having in Pizza
3: In Pizza Hut. In oh, Pizza yeah. Hut,
0: yeah, where nobody turned up and you ask the reader before you tell them the story not to feel sorry for you and not to cry but let me just say i felt terrible for you and was really moved by that and and i i mean i don't disagree with anything that you say in the book but I retain my right as a reader to feel deeply sympathetic for you in that situation. Actually,
3: you know what? You can have your right. As That's very kind. Don't. Can yeah. you tell us about it, though? Because it was awful, actually. London. Yeah, it was. It was really sad. Basically, I had a pizza party, and uh, I was so excited, and I invited all my friends. But my mom said at the time, like, she couldn't afford to pay for. I invited like fifteen girls, and she was like, she can't afford to pay for the pizzas for everybody, but she'll pay for all the drinks and unlimited ice cream. And back then, unlimited ice cream for kids was like having a free bar so I was like we're going to live our best lives and pizzas at the time were like £4 so everyone had pocket money so go there buy a £4 pizza unlimited ice cream live our best lives so that was the plan and then all the popular girls in my school I guess decided that no one should go so they told everybody not to come to the party and uh they basically were like i'm not paying for a pound your mum's really cheap we're not doing that and they basically convinced all the less popular girls to not go and all my friends to not go so i showed up at this party this massive table with my little crown and my pepperoni pizza and like yeah there was like no one there and uh I was really sad. I was eating my pizza alone, waiting for my friends to show up. They didn't show up. And then, like, the door opened and, like, 20 girls from school all came in and I was like, oh, my God, they're here. Like, they did show up. But, no, they went and sat at the table next to me and had their own pizza party in my face and just laughed at me the whole time. Where are they now? Exactly. Yeah. Probably in prison. So (laughs) they're definitely not on the Times radio right now. No, that's true. Definitely not.
0: VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen.
1: VoiceOver on, settings.
0: So you can navigate it just by listening.
1: Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility, there's more to iPhone. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig.
2: We're talking to comedian London Hughes, who is now officially big in America and seems to have left Croydon behind forever. Uh, The book is full of great anecdotes about her showbiz career. Wasn't all glamour, though. She started off as a kind of warm up person on a porn channel.
3: Babe Station. Babe Station. Yes. She's
0: pretending not to know.
2: She's oh, not yeah. the founder. Genu- I'm not going to. F- on
3: a porn channel? Yes, well, I used to work oh, for Radio yes. 4. Just go,
0: go with
2: that, please. What was that like?
3: So I wanted my quest to be on TV. I did not discriminate. TV was TV, you know? I've done CBBC, I've done Babe Station. TV is TV. Okay? Anything goes. News night's next. <laughs> Literally. It probably will be. It probably will be, actually, after (laughs) today. After what's been going on. Oh, this press run has been insane, ladies. Anyway, I basically was, for lack of a better word, a fluffer. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you were. I was a fluffer. So basically, when Baby Station was airing back in the early 2000s... In the daytime, there was no porn, but they had to keep the channel on to pay the bills. Mm. So what do you do with a porn channel where you can't show porn? Well, you have London Hughes <laughs> telling jokes and fully clothed. <laughs> yeah. So that was my job. And I had to. I had this thing called Flirt UK and it was live TV. And it, back when you could um, text the bottom of the screen and it would have like people talking to each other, like a little chat room at the bottom. So I was in the top screen in the corner, chat room in the bottom. And then I'd be like, hi, you're watching Flirt UK with me, London Hughes. Listen, if you're single and you're ready to mingle, text in. And then I'd have a picture of, like, this is Hugh. Hugh is single. He likes redheads. If you're a redhead who fancies a bit of Hugh, text in. And they would text in and, they and you know, I would encourage it and give them the number to call and, like, text, you know. How many hours did this go on for? Oh, I was on there from 4 to 11. And oh, then 11, God. I would leave and that's when the tits would come out. But from 4 to 11, I was getting £20 an hour, babe. Living the dream. Living the dream. Sitting there on live TV... 4 to 11. Yeah. <laughs> Getting paid to talk. I
2: mean, in retrospect, was it good experience?
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes, because it, it, this is how I started doing comedy. After a while, I made up little bits. So I had like Hughes's shoes where I like put my feet up and showed them what shoes I was wearing that day and made like funny things about my shoes and then the foot fetish guys really liked oh, that. So then like it. that would get more people in. Foot fetish guys are texting in, making more money. I had the most popular show on Babe Station in the daytime. Right. Most popular. So I did that until I until I got fired. Um. Yes.
2: Well <laughs> It's happened to all of us.
3: So uh <laughs> yeah. So that was that was that was a crazy time. Mm. Crazy time. And then my next job after that was CPBC. of (laughs) Of course course it it was was. (laughs) yes Yes. yeah (laughs) Yeah.
0: Uh, it's not been an easy journey though has it to where you are now and uh, for people who might not be aware of how difficult it was for you in this country i mean it's impossible to you know detail every single uh, rejection and experience that you had but you didn't have the kind of easy ride that your success now Yeah would, people would
3: imagine that you'd had No And that's why I wanted to put it in the book, because I think when you think of successful people, we always see the end result. We don't see all the failing and all the hardship they went through. So the book is basically all the failure. I was like, I'm putting it all in, no matter how bad it is or how bad it makes me feel to relive it. It's all going in. Um, My thing was always this. I genuinely remember when, in 2009, I won the Funny Women Awards. I am just turned 20. And I remember thinking... I have been doing stand-up for three months and I've already won this competition and it was searching for the UK's funniest woman and the search went all over the country. So at three months of doing stand-up, I'm already as good as... A lot of women, if not better, I won it. Right, so I'm there thinking, well, this is great. I've won this award, and I remember like the South London Press did an interview with me. Like, what's next? And I was like, well, if this is me now, three months in, give me a year. I'll have my own TV show. I have this. I have that. I have that. And I genuinely, my mom and dad taught me that, like, if you're a nice person and you work and you work hard, good things will happen to you. They did that, and that's just what I believed. I didn't take systemic racism and sexism into the picture. So I genuinely was like, well, I'm funny. I work hard. I'm really nice. Of course I'll have a TV show. Of course I'll get on this. Of course I'll get on Mock the Week. Of course I'll get on 8 Out of 10 Cats. Of course I'll get on Live at the Apollo. Like, why wouldn't I do? I'm funny. I've proved I'm funny. I won this competition. I'm really nice. And I work hard. What's stopping me? And then, yeah. Well, what did stop you? Sexism and systemic racism. And, yeah, I I genuinely was slapped round the face with systemic racism it was crazy I remember just watching all my friends my white male friends that had started around the same time I I did or before or a bit before me a bit after me and I just remember like after gigs even though I'd killed it the producers would be around these white guys, like, talking to them, even though, like, I killed it. And the guys would be like, oh, yeah, I got this agent, I got this person, this person, did you get... And I'd be like, no, nobody approached me for anything. And then, like, even the auditions that I had to do, I would always get to the final rounds of auditions and then, like, kill it. And all the comics, people like Josh Widdicombe, Joe Lycett, before they were famous, they will all tell you, like, London was with us. I I was that era of comedian. But they kept getting offers for TV shows and all these things and, like, opportunities on panel shows and I didn't get them. And I just was like... Well, clearly, I, I don't know what I'm doing wrong because I'm going in It's not like no-one's laughing. I'm killing it. It's not like I'm dying on my ass. I'm killing it. And then afterwards, I, I really was angry and I was, like, asking my agent, like, ask them why they haven't chosen me. Like, speak to eight out of ten Cats producers and say why after London killed that audition. Why is she not on the show? And they'd be like, oh, we we love London. She did amazing. We just don't think our audience would get her. And that was always the feedback. And they were like, if London's famous in her own right, you know, she can she can come on the show. So they would have like a Jamelia on the show, like a famous black woman who's a pop star, but like an up-and-coming black female comedian, no. But then an up-and-coming white male comedian, yes. So it was just like, what do you mean the audience wouldn't get me? I'm British, I'm I'm what is it? I don't speak another language. What is it then that's not to get? And uh, I realised it was painful to understand that, like, maybe the audience would never get me, you know? You do make a really interesting point in
0: the book uh, about there being two types of comedy circuits in this country. Yes. And I had not stopped to think about that, London. Had so you not? I am grateful to you for pointing oh, this both. out. No, so could you tell us a bit more Sure. About that very clear distinction
3: that you make. Yeah, so there's two. There's always been two. There's still two now. There's a the comedy circuit that you know of, like we call that the white comedy circuit back in the day, and then there's a the black comedy circuit. And so, the black comedy circuit is is a circuit that's, I guess, full of com- black comedians that can't get on to the white comedy circuit. Like, let me be very clear. I have been doing stand-up since I was 19 years old. 19. I have never in my life been asked to perform at the Comedy Store in the UK. Ever. I'm 34 years old. They have never... The only times I performed at the Comedy Store was a charity gig for Stephen was, which Stephen asked me to go on, or when I won Funny Women, which was at the Comedy Store. Mm -hmm. Outside of those, the Comedy Store, whoever runs it, I don't even know his name. He has never reached out to me and booked me Ever. And, I, and I've and performed at the comedy store in LA, the world-famous comedy store, the one with Robin Williams and pictures of Robin Williams and, and, and Jim Carrey and Eddie Murphy as you walk in. I perform there every weekend. But I have never been booked at the UK comedy store. This is what I'm saying. So, like... Because we can't get on at these comedy clubs, the black comedians had to make their own circuit. So it's full of black comedians that have not been booked on places like the Comedy Store and and other top comedy places in London. And instead, we you know created our own scene we performed in uh, churches uh little theaters catford broadway theater hackney empire big theaters but like predominantly to black audiences and yeah we weren't you know our, our gigs weren't covered in time out they weren't one to oh, what come to this this weekend no like it was just like a community of people that liked black comedy would know about it they would show up and they would they would go we'd post it on facebook and they would go to those shows i i had a comedy booker at one point and he got me loads of gigs but they weren't like prestigious gigs they were like little working men's pubs and I would do that I would drive like from Brighton I lived in Brighton at the time I would drive to Leeds go on stage do 10 minutes at some working man's pub and like drive back home for 50 quid that was my life I was doing that all over the country
2: you went you went to Hull once I
3: went to Hull oh god (laughs) Once be in the word never again, baby girl,
2: right um have
3: we have we lost you to America then is this it, oh yes, oh yes, can you not blame me well, you sad you look sad, don't you want better sad. for me, don't you want better for me
0: yes, we do
2: well we i'd like'd you, like, to do you do know happy. what I'd like to do britain, I'd like Britain to do better, yes, I yeah.
0: think, is what I really
2: mean,
3: and I think that's what I've had to realize, and it's so sad. But, like, I took it personal for a long time because i have been doing stand-up for 10 years. And at the time, when I moved to America, maybe 11 years when I moved to America, and I just remember being like, one day, Britain, you'll care, you'll care, you'll see. America's going to love me. And they did. America loved me, embraced me. I was never told, oh, our audience won't get her, despite the fact that it's a completely different country and I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't. But America took me under their wing and and welcomed me. And people like Kevin Hart and Dave Chappelle are now my mentors and friends and i genuinely remember thinking oh i'm gonna come back to england and they'll care and i they do care more don't get don't get me wrong like i like the my 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 agent's always getting you know bookings like can she do this can you do that and i'm like no you can't afford me but <laughs> truthfully you can't but i do think england has a thing when it comes and i'm only speaking in entertainment um i have it i think it has a thing where it doesn't really celebrate black women in a way that it should. And I think it's not personal to me. I just don't think they will ever really care. And when I think about America, despite how racist America is, I'm not saying it's not. America's racist. America's probably one of the most racist countries in the world. Yet it has a Beyonce. It has a Whoopi Goldberg. It has an Oprah. There's no British Oprah. There's no British Beyonce. There's no British Whoopi Goldberg. name Name a British woman who is as successful as any black, a black British black woman who's as successful as any white man in Britain. Right, like, yeah. I came to America prepared. Like, I wrote 10 TV shows, 10 movies, um, and 10 unscripted TV shows ready so that when I had meetings, they would say, have you got anything we could read? I'd be like, yes, all of this. So I came there, like, ready to hustle and work hard, and I was prepared to bang down the door. And I got there, and the door was open for me. They were like, oh... You're talented. You work hard. Come in. You're a black woman. Come in. And I've never had that, like, a, like love and celebration. Like, it's just here. It, I've always felt like you know it's the right thing to do. We should include black women. Of course, we should have diversity. But of course, we should do it. But do you want to do it? No. You're just doing it because we should do it. And that's how I feel about Britain. Whereas in America, I genuinely feel they want it. They want me. And Britain, I still don't think you want me. And I would rather go where I'm wanted.
2: That was London Hughes. And her book fee is called Living My Best Life Hun. Living My Best Life, comma, hun, H-U-N. Well, I'd be really interested in what people uh, think of her belief that It was both racism and misogyny that stopped her being
0: a success here. But when she names those names, Jane, it is really hard to come up with a British equivalent. We don't have a Beyoncé. We don't have a Whoopi Goldberg. We just don't. She's right. No, no, we don't.
2: Uh, We have had... So I was trying to think, have we had an equivalent of an Oprah? Well, uh, there's Alison Hammond, who's a big TV star at the moment, uh, no doubt about that. Uh, and there was Trisha Goddard as well, who was a, a big big success for a while. That's rather faded a little bit now in terms of prominence. Um, obviously, there's been really important people like Moira Stewart reading the news. Um, but, yeah, I am struggling a bit. Mm. It's all rather uncomfortable, isn't it?
0: Well, it is, and also I'm always very wary of trying to prove somebody wrong about their own... No, well, we're not. We're not trying to do that, and we're, we're not in a position to. Are no, we? but I, th- but I think some people will, and I think some people do. Mm. Well, they shouldn't. No, uh, we loved seeing London. You made a very astute observation about her drinks. Yes. Well, she's gone completely, completely. La ditching the strong tea
2: with eight sugars, which you know, even, I think that's a lot, by the way. <laughs> uh, and now she has this herbal thing which just looked and smelt completely ghastly
0: if you went to Los Angeles do you think it would change you or do you think you would change it I think, I think very much the latter um, I can't
2: think of anyone who'd be less at home in LA than me I think you should go and <laughs> start eating egg white omelettes oh, very much so driving everywhere no no it's not for me no no, no. Okay. <laughs> don't worry, you can worry about all sorts of things I won't be deserting Times Radio for LA That is not something to put on your worry list Now our guest tomorrow afternoon is Michelle Roux Jr Now he has got a new cookbook out We can talk to him about that But we can also talk to him about Is it Le or La Gavroche? Le Gavroche, yeah. Le Gavroche. Do you, Does that mean something, Le Gavroche? It, don't you don't guess. know?
1: You don't the urchin
2: Thank you It Thank means you the much. urchin The Urchin. You'd have to be quite well off uh, an Urchin on a good day to be able to afford that, (laughs) I I would venture to suggest. But anyway, okay, uh, his restaurant, The Urchin, uh, which is closing. It is. Unfortunately. uh, And which was something that, uh, well, I think his
0: dad used to run it, didn't he? Yeah, it must be really, really weird. Uh, to be called Junior. I was just when, thinking I mean, so. he's in his sixties now. I
2: was about to attempt a weak gag about what? What was, what was his dad called? Well, I do yeah. we know? You see, women just don't do this, do they? We are robbed of the ability to have a Junior because women used to change their names, and your daughter probably won't have the same surname no, my, as you. or my might. children don't. Yeah,
0: but. no, my children. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, have a couple but of at what but at what age do you think it would be okay to turn around and say I'm just not junior anymore. Well, I'm just neither I'm not senior, I'm not junior, I'm just Michelle.
2: Serious question, presumably you stop being well he hasn't I think because I think his father has died. So But he's still always going to be he's junior he
0: always, or do you stop being junior when or when you've got another junior lined up? So what I don't understand, and, and this happens a lot in Los Angeles and in your in-depth documentary series that you can make when you embed when yourself in the city, yeah. you can ask about this. But, you know, the American thing of just constantly going through the generations with the same name and adding the third and the fourth and mm. all of that, I mean, it is quite arrogant, isn't it, it's to just, just keep on it's ludicrous. chucking out the same well, if person. You've been, if you have been a real bang-average Joe, do you really want to... Why
2: would you have to impose your non-entity status yeah. on the next one.
0: Then it's the fact that you then have to call somebody, uh, you know, so-and-so the third, so-and-so the fourth. Yeah. It's kind of, this is just so weird. You're just, I... no, there's only one of you in my eyeline at the moment. Mm. It's just bizarre. Yeah. And I think that just heaps expectation on you as well, in a good way and a bad way. Yeah. Yes. There are no little Janes at home. No, no little Jane Garvey the seconds. No. <laughs> no. <laughs>
2: I think that's no, no bad thing. No. So, look, we've got loads of things um, to
0: talk about. We'll talk about food on the radio, which always works. I mean, it's such a good way of doing food on the radio, so I'm looking forward to that myself. I hope <laughs> you bring some things in.
2: <laughs> Do you know what? I've been really off kilter, and that's because I had a Barocca. Don't have a Barocca if you're not ill. <laughs> I wouldn't... No. Mariella Frostrup forced a Barocca pill on me. She's a pusher. She, <laughs> she's a pusher of the Barocca. I took one and I've now slightly slipped in the... Was I feeling a bit unwell? <laughs> no, I wasn't. I thought I'd better just have it. She's given it to me now. So on Eve's instruction, I halved it, put it into my sparkling water, which normally sees me through the afternoon just fine. And now I feel like I might be coming down with oh, something.
0: No, please don't come no, down. No, no, no. But you know what you will have later? Well, I do know, yes. Very expensive We. Goodbye. Money, good bank.
2: I know, lady. A lady don't listener. I'm sorry.
1: The train is now approaching. Junction and platform. Passengers. Airport, please stay on board. Next stop. Road
0: station. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone.
1: only from rustolium